welcome to our 27th podcast episode of Neurodiversity in a Nutshell. My name is Olive and today we're going to be discussing Down Syndrome, another neurodivergent condition falling under the neurodiversity umbrella. Today, we will be covering the background, history, and language of Down Syndrome. Let's dive right into the background of Down Syndrome. Down Syndrome, a condition falling under the neurodiverse spectrum, is diagnosed when a baby is born with an extra chromosome. Now, neurotypically, babies are born with 46 chromosomes, while an individual who is diagnosed with Down syndrome has an extra copy of chromosome 21. A medical term for having an extra chromosome is also called trisomy 21. Since chromosomes determine a baby's physical and neurological development, extra chromosomes change how a baby develops. According to the CDC, most individuals with Down syndrome have a similar physical structure, including a, quote, flattened face, almond-shaped eyes that slant up and are shorter in height than most neurotypical individuals. Most people with Down syndrome may also have difficulty with speech. As the most common chromosomal condition in the USA, Down syndrome has been categorized into three classifications that apply to individuals on the Down syndrome spectrum. 95% of individuals with Down syndrome categorize into the trisomy 21 category, where the cell has three copies of chromosome 21, opposed to the two usual copies. The extra copy is separated from the two copies in the cell. A less common category of Down syndrome is the translocation Down syndrome, where the extra copy of chromosome 21 is not separated, but attached to a different chromosome. This instance of Down syndrome is much less common, attributing to 3% of the US population. Finally, individuals with Down syndrome may be classified as having mosaic Down syndrome. This is essentially a mixture of atypical and trisomy 21 cells. Some cells would have an extra chromosome 21, while some would have the typical two copies of chromosome 21. Because of the varying cell types, an individual with mosaic Down syndrome would have less of the distinct physical and neurological features as most of the Down syndrome demographic. This type is the rarest on the spectrum, equating to 2% of the people with Down syndrome who have mosaic Down syndrome. Although people with Down syndrome have different abilities, they are still able to thrive and become talented individuals after overcoming their challenges. While Down syndrome is relatively understood today, it wasn't always understood in the context of history. Let's take a look at the historical evidence of Down syndrome. Down syndrome was first described by an English physician, John Langdon Down, in 1862 and helped to differentiate the condition from mental disability. He used the term mongoloid to describe the condition because he believed children with Down syndrome had the same physical experience as the Blumenbach's Mongolian race. However, after the 1970s, this term became less common due to its inaccuracy and was acknowledged for being derogatory. Historically, many individuals with Down syndrome were killed, abandoned, or shunned from society. In the 20th century, it was common that they did not receive appropriate treatment for the associated medical complications, like heart or vision conditions. Hence, many children used to die during infancy or early adulthood. When the eugenics movement was prevalent, the forced sterilization of individuals with Down syndrome was initiated in 33 of the 48 existing states of the U.S. at the time. These sterilization programs were too inhumane, causing widespread protests of the general public, which ultimately led to the discontinuation of these brutal practices. The causes of Down syndrome have historically not been known nor understood. Researchers assume numerous factors such as older maternal age and injuries during birth or pregnancy caused the condition. However, it was only during the 1950s when the karyotype techniques were discovered 
that allowed scientists and researchers to identify the shape and number of the chromosomes. In 1959, it was understood that trisomy 21 caused Down syndrome, a finding that uncovered the extra copy of chromosome 21. Jerome Lejeune took credit for this discovery, but it was disputed and in 2014, the Scientific Council of the French Federation of Human Genetics awarded Martha Gautier for discovery. Finally, let's learn about language and rhetoric tangent to Down syndrome. Ableist rhetoric has the capability of dehumanizing individuals with Down syndrome. To avoid treating them in an ableist manner, try to ensure you're using inclusive rhetoric. For example, as you may remember from a previous episode, rather than being described with a disease, a person with Down syndrome should be described as having a condition. Similarly, with Down syndrome popping up in contemporary political discourse, it's important to remember that we should highlight the strengths along with the weaknesses of any condition. Oftentimes, these weaknesses can be turned to strengths. For instance, while children with Down syndrome may face sequencing difficulties in reading, they correspondingly can have strong short-term visuospatial memory. In addition to the rhetoric we use surrounding Down syndrome, the rhetoric describing individuals with Down syndrome is also important. Patty McVeigh, an accoladed educator and inclusion activist, recommends an exercise for understanding why Down syndrome shouldn't be used as an adjective. Think of something about yourself that society has designed has deemed less desirable. Now imagine that word being placed in front of your name and being called that your entire life. For example, I have to occasionally wear glasses and I know personally being called glasses other for my entire life would be uncomfortable. Throughout our episodes on Down syndrome, we will attempt to use language in terms inclusive of the Down syndrome's community and its spectrum, preventing the reinforcement of negative stereotypes and divisive language. If you do have concerns about rhetoric and language, please message us so we can address those concerns. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope these episodes are beneficial in helping you guys understand the neurodiversity paradigm and movement. If you have any questions, concerns, episode ideas, please reach out to us at unitopia.foundation.